Thank you very much for the opportunity to uh, be able to uh, preach tonight, and uh, our folks are uh, getting a blessing, and uh, our pastor who uh, retired, he's been in the ministry for over 50 years, and uh, he is getting to preach today, and they're probably happy about that because he preaches a whole lot shorter than I do, and uh, so don't, don't let that scare you, but uh, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of odd to pastor your pastor, and um, this week his wife had a procedure, and and I could tell that he was very worried about that. And I showed up at the hospital, and, and he was there by himself. And I could see he had tears in his eyes. And uh, kind of shakes you up. And when I went in, his wife said, I didn't know whether you'd be here or not. And she looked at him and said, he trained under me. You knew he would come. And, uh, uh, and so, and uh, both of them, and uh, just just her blessing to me. And to get to, to, get to pastor them is is an amazing thing. And then getting to stay someplace for a long time, when I get introduced and people say, well, how long have you been here? I say, 24 years. They just kind of look at me. You're just now pastoring, but you've been here for 24 years. Well, yes. And uh, the Lord has allowed us to stay in one place. And it's good because I get to see a lot of things. And I get to see a lot of uh, young people that uh, we had as teens are now serving in churches all across uh, the United States. Get to see kids that have come through in, in traveling groups and uh, get to see them when I go out in different places. And, and I remember them. I, abs- I absolutely do uh, remember them and, and some of the things that, that, that they have done, both good and bad, and uh, at camps and, and different things like that. But uh, it certainly is a blessing to, to be here. And thank you so very much for uh, praying for my granddaughter. And uh, I didn't come here as a pastor. I came here as a daddy. And... Uh, well, I tell you what, sitting in the airport, getting ready to fly here Thursday, kept waiting to hear what the doctor was going to do, was, was going to say, and, and I went over and got Chick-fil-A for me and my wife, and, uh, and our son was dropping us off at the airport, and I came back, and I looked down at my wife's notes, and all I see is open heart surgery, and my heart just sunk, because I'd been praying that it would just, they'd go, hey, we can't find the hole in the heart, you know, stay home, there, there's nothing, nothing to see here. And so I kept waiting for my wife to get off the phone and waiting for her to get off the phone and waiting for her to get off the phone. And, and uh, but when her and Crystal get on the phone, okay, and uh, so when she finally got off the phone, I, I just kept waiting. And I said, when are they doing the open heart surgery? And she goes, they're not. They're going to do the other thing. I said, well, it says right there in your notes. And she goes, well, you didn't look up far enough. I said, I didn't see far enough. And uh, uh, in that, and, and so, but uh, I tell you what, the Lord was just a blessing. And uh, another part of that story about those two doctors from Indianapolis and here, the doctor that did the surgery in Denver trained under the doctor in, at Riley Children's Hospital before he came to Denver. And, of course, all good things come from Denver anyway. And uh, in that, uh, amen. So, and uh, uh, even though the Broncos last night, let's just not go there. All right. Uh, if you would, please turn to Joshua chapter number 6. Joshua chapter number 6. I like to preach about people that are special uh, to me, people that have taught me lessons uh, in my life. And, and I, I have always loved this character in the Bible, in Joshua chapter number 6. I, I love Joshua, love Moses, all of them. But, you know, there are certain people that, that, that seem to be on the sidelines, so to speak. Just your average Joe church member. That's all I was. I was nothing special. I had no, no special talents to sing. I had no special talents uh, to preach. I was just a, a faithful teenager uh, to my youth group. 
I would go out on visitation. I would go to camps. I would do all those different things. But I was, ju- I was just there. I was just faithful. And when you think about this man we're getting ready to talk about, this man, as you read about him in the Bible, he was just somebody that was faithful. As a matter of fact, God described him this way. He was a man with another spirit. Now, a lot of times when you hear that word spirit in the Bible, it's not talking about some ghostly figure. It's talking about somebody's attitude. Now, all of us have attitudes. We see kids cop attitudes. I've spent the last three days with my grandsons. I have watched all kinds of attitudes. I saw Ava Grace under under duress uh, in that, and uh, uh, they gave her something to help her to relax, and she just got mean uh, in that. uh, But... Uh, But we all have attitudes. Well, this man here was described as a man who had a a different attitude. If you would, please, look at verse number 6 of chapter number 14. Joshua 14, 6 says, Then the children of Judah came uh, unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kinsanite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee at Canaan's Barnea. Forty years old was I, when Moses, a servant of the Lord, sent me to Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Okay? He was bringing a heartfelt message back uh, from, from what he was asked to do. And then he, it, it turns. Verse number 8 says, And nevertheless my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people to melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore in that day, saying, Surely the land wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, he said, these forty and uh, five years since the Lord spake uh, this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. Yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now to war and both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me the mountain. Thereof the Lord had spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Am- Anakins... Uh, were there, and, the, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that the Lord will be with me, then I shall abide, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord has said. And Joshua blessed him and gave Caleb the son of Jephunneh uh, 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 Hebron as an inheritance. And verse number 14, And Hebron therefore became... The inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenzanite, unto this day, because he hath wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Now, one of my favorite hymns uh, in the Bible uh, of all time is the hymn, Trust and Obey. Now, this hymn was inspired uh, during the, uh, the evangelistic meetings of Dwight L. Moody. And uh, in one of the meetings there in Massachusetts, they gave people uh, in the 1800s uh, an opportunity to, to give testimony. And in one of the testimonies, uh, uh, a man by the name of Daniel B. Tower heard a young man say this, I'm not quite sure, but I'm going to trust and I'm going to obey. 
Tower wrote down that sentence and sent it and the story behind it to a young Presbyterian minister by the name of John H. Samus, who wrote the refrain and then the stanza of the hymn. Of course, many of us know the, the refrain or the chorus that says, Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Now, if there was a man that we could read about in the Bible, or a person we could talk about in the Bible, that was somebody who trusted God and obeyed, the argument can clearly be made for this man, Caleb. Caleb was, was a man in Scripture who truly loved the Lord. As a matter of fact, in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24, God said this about Caleb. He says, But my servant Caleb, because he hath another spirit in him, and hath, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now God himself spoke this, this testimony of him. Now Caleb stands out in the Bible as one of the great men of faith. Six times it tells us in the word of God that Caleb wholly uh, followed the Lord. Now, uh, to me, he was a man that was an overcomer. The Bible tells us in, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Caleb was a man that had faith in God, and he wasn't afraid to demonstrate it. Now, if I was to ask tonight a Sunday night crowd, how many of you have faith in God, all of our hands would go up. But do we truly practice that faith that we say that we have? It takes a lot of faith to believe in God and God's promises. It takes action for us to believe those things. Now, Caleb was somebody who wholly, wholly followed the Lord. Now, let's learn some things about Caleb. You know what? Caleb learned and earned his faith and the faith in the face of difficulties. He did not have an easy upbringing. You think about it, if he was 85 years old, then Caleb was born into slavery. Now there's none of us here that were born into slavery. Now a lot of kids probably think, well my parents think I'm a slave. They give me this to do and they give me that to do. No, 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 you don't understand. He wasn't allowed to do anything without somebody else's Permission. You say, well, that sounds just like my parents. No, they're just guarding over your life. These people here would just assume kill you as to, as to let you live or, or anything like that. And so he was born into slavery. He was probably beaten at the hands of the Egyptians. He was there uh, when, when Moses came as the deliverer, and he watched the ten plagues take place. He saw the frogs, he saw the lice, he saw the blood, he saw all of those things in hopes that, that, that one day he would be released and be let go. The other things that, that he saw is as he was delivered out of the hand of slavery, he, he was saved uh, by the death angel because somebody put the blood of Jesus Christ on his doorpost. And he was saved from that, and he had to experience that. He saw God's daily guidance by the pillar of, uh, of cloud by day and the fire by night. He watched God lead them to different places. He uh, also was saved from Pharaoh's army. You think about it. There they were. They, 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 they're, they're escaped, and they're, and they're on their way. And then they get pinned uh, between the desert and the Red Sea, and they're trying to figure out what's going to happen. And God sends that pillar and stands between them as God is dividing the water and they walk over on dry land. Have you ever pictured that in your mind? I honestly believe that there's going to be a Bible history theater in heaven. 
where we can go and watch all of that. Now me, I would have been that kid that had been walking, because I've always liked water. I'd have been walking along, seeing where my parents were. I'd been like this, just to see what would happen. Put my water in there. I put my hand in the water. My, 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 my dad used to tell my mom to time each of the pier. My dad was a Navy man. I have four sisters. They married all Navy guys. I was in the Navy myself. We're salty, wet people. And my mom said, please, when you bring Rick down to see the sub come in, tie him to the post. Because my dad said, always. He knew who his kid was because I was the one standing close to the edge looking over the water. But here Caleb was. He got to see all of those things. He uh, witnessed the miracles of God wandering in the desert. Think, think about it. He saw the bitter water turn to sweet when they were thirsty. All, all these things you could find in Exodus. I have them all written down. If you want them, I'll give it to you later. He had the daily provision of manna. He saw Moses uh, uh, talk to the rock and water came gushing forth. He was there uh, at, at the battle of Amalek when Moses' hands were stayed up by Aaron and Hur and they became victorious. The first uh, battle that they had, just a bunch of slaves going against a professional army, but God was in the midst. He got to see those things. These were all things that he saw in his upbringing. He heard the thundering. I mean, think about this. As God was giving the Ten Commandments, he heard the thundering of the mountain. He could hear the voice of God. All of these things were shaping his life. Even though it was a difficult time for them. I mean, we think about uh, those people walking across the desert and all that stuff. It wasn't easy. I mean, we drove from Denver to here. It took us, what, six and a half hours? Could you imagine if you had to walk that? No air conditioning? No rest areas, no nothing. He walked all those things. These were all things that were shaping his life. He witnessed the building of the tabernacle. He witnessed the Lord's glory and the presence of it. He saw all of those things as he was growing up. He was learning to trust and obey. The second stanza of trust and obey reads this way. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies... But his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt or a fear, not a sign or a tear can abide when we trust and obey. You know what Caleb was learning to do as he was growing up? As his life was being shaped, he was learning to trust and obey God. Because he saw God at work. All of us here have seen God at work in our lives and the lives of other people. Friday morning as that doctor was talking to us and he showed us this device they wanted to put in the little tiny heart of my granddaughter. I'm thinking, how in the world can they do that? I said, God, I don't have to know the how. I just want you to guide his hands. And I told the surgeon and I told the fellow surgeon and I told the other people, we've already prayed for you. There are people praying for you. When they came out and they said that it went in and it worked fine, Touchdown for God. If I had a ball, I'd have spiked it. I was so excited. And then to get to see her just running, you, you have to keep her tied down. That's God. That's God. And he was learning to trust and obey. But the other thing that we see about Caleb is Caleb stood and defended the faith. Caleb was chosen to represent his tribe. Uh, he talked about it in verses 6 through 8, how Moses uh, uh, asked for, uh, or God had told Moses, 
Take out 12 men, somebody who's a leader in each tribe. Well, just let me read the, the verse to you. In Numbers 13, uh, you can go ahead and turn there because we're going to be there in just a little bit, but I'm going I'm to read a different portion from it. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they will search out the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of the tribe of the fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. So Caleb had risen in his, uh, in his time up to be being a ruler, somebody that other people looked up to. Uh, he was somebody who was trusting in God. And he was chosen to represent the, the, the tribe of, of Judah. And Moses, uh, and, and Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them into the wilderness of Paran. And uh, those men were the heads of the children of Israel. And then in uh, verse number 6, it tells us of the tribe of Judah, Caleb, uh, the son of Jephonah, he was the one that was chosen. Now Caleb, along with Joshua, came back with a positive report uh, about the land when others came back with a negative report. The men were sent in. They were, God had promised them that they were going to have cities that were already built. They were going to have vineyards that were already planted, fields that were already there, houses that were already built. All of these things that were going to be in this land, God was going to give them. Now, they were going to have to work for it. They were going to have to battle for it. But God was going to be with them. He had already shown them that he had delivered them from the most powerful nation uh, of the earth, from Egypt. He had taken care of them as they had come across. He had given them the commandments. He had given them everything. He says, I'm going to send these men in. They're going to come back and they're going to tell you exactly what they saw. And so the people waited for the report. If you wouldn't, look with me at verse number 23 of Numbers chapter 13. It says, and they came unto the brook of Esrael, and cut down from thence a branch of one cluster of grapes, and they bear them uh, between uh, two upon a staff, and they brought pomegranates and figs. And this place uh, was called the brook of Esrael because the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel had cut down from thence, they had seen uh, the blessings of God that were there. And they returned from searching the land after 40 days. And they went and they came to Moses and to Aaron and all the congregation and the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran uh, to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land that thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Whoopee! We've got exactly what God says we're going to have. Don't you wish the story stopped right there? They would have just believed God. They said, hey, we went. It's all there. We brought some of the stuff back. Look at how God is going to bless us. But you got those conjunctions that are there. Something's getting ready to turn. It says, the nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Giants. And the Amalekites dwell in the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, which uh, dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell uh, by the sea and the coast. Love verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up when? At once. Let's go. Let's go get it. God promised it to us. And possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. Told you in the beginning, he was an overcomer. He was ready to go. He said, hey, it's just as God promised. God said he's going to give it to us. Why wait? Let's go right now. Don't you love people that are like that? Don't you like positive people? Then you tell them something, they say, yeah, we can get it done. 
That man, that's no problem. What, we need another nursery? We can build that. Tell them to have more kids. We can build two. I mean, you think about it. I mean, you, 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 I just like excitable people that have a positive outlook about things. He had another spirit about him. Nobody else was standing up for that except for his buddy Joshua. But Caleb was like, hey, let's go. Well, we can't. We can't do it is what, is what the people were saying. Verse number 31, and it says, But the men went, that went up with him said, We are not able to go up against these people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought an evil report to the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, and the land which they had gone to search it, it is a land that has eaten up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw uh, in it are men of great stature. Now all of a sudden, they, there wasn't just the children of Anak. There, there's nothing but giants in the land. Notice how more negative and negative they get. And we saw the, the giants of the sin of, uh, of Anak, that, and <clears throat> which come uh, to the giants, and we were in their sight as grasshoppers, and so we are in their sight. Caleb, along with Joshua, like I said, came back with a positive report. They saw the, law, the land just as they promised. Look at verse, uh, chapter 14. Look at verse number 7. They, they continue to, to, to speak out as the people want to stone Moses and they want to go, want to go back to Egypt. Uh, Joshua and Caleb in verse number 6 uh, <coughs> rent their clothes. In verse number 7, and they spake and said unto the company and the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through and searched it is an exceeding good land. And if the Lord delight in us, then uh, he will bring this land and give it to us, which floweth with milk and honey. I believe Joshua said this next verse. I mean, uh, Caleb says, Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, and their defense is departed from them. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. He was ready to go. The cities were, were built just as God said. Caleb was not afraid to take a stand for God, uh, even when the people of God were not. He was ready to claim the promises that God had made for him in his life. God promises so many things. He was able to see God's faithfulness at work. He was able to rely uh, on God alone. You know what? There are times that God calls upon us and asks us to do something and wants us to believe Wants us to believe that we can get it done. And we look around and nobody else is doing it. And we start thinking, I can't do this on my own. If nobody else is doing it, I can't take that stand for my own. It's real easy for us to get down here and, and to look at the teenagers and say, when you get into high school and you get into your schools, you need to take a stand for God. And it's easy to preach to them. Say, that's what you're supposed to do. But you come over here where all the old folks are, just by age, okay? Say, you need to take a stand at work. You need to take a stand in your neighborhood. You need to take a stand for God. You're going, hey, brother, don't meddle. Man, get back over there and get on them kids. I got to get back here. Man, God's not waiting for, the, for, for just them. He wants all of us to take a stand. Man, I kept looking up there this morning saying, all in, all in. Told my wife, that's one of my favorite verses. We may have to use that. Amen. Is that all right? Yeah. 
Man, I'm telling you, Caleb was a guy that was all in. He was ready to go. Would to God our churches all across America were filled with Caleb's. People that were all in. People that were just ready to go. He wasn't one to shirk back. When we choose to rebel against God's will, it is always easy for us to complain and to make an excuse than to do what's right. It's always easier. Told in Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. For they which are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they which are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is peace. Caleb was at peace. He said, hey, I'm trusting and obeying my God. He told me that I should go, and I'm ready to go. The Bible tells us that Caleb was chosen to be blessed for his faithfulness. Down in verse 24, it says, God, again, giving that, that testimony, but my servant Caleb, because he, hath, because he hath another spirit, he was the one that was outspoken for God, and hath, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land wherein too he went, and his seed shall possess it. Verse number three of Trust and Obey tells us this, not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil doth he richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. We see Caleb, because of other people's unfaithfulness, had to wander, but his faith never faltered. The only two people that were above 20 years old that got to go into the land was Joshua and Caleb. They had to wander in the wilderness because of others. They were the only two spies during that 40-year wilderness wandering that got to, that got to go into land. They, uh, they had to watch all the people that rebelled at Canis Barnea pass off one by one and get buried in the wilderness. Now, this punishment may sound kind of harsh that God had given them, but God had given them many opportunities. These other people that perished, God had given them many, many opportunities uh, to, to obey him, but yet they continued to rebel. Tells us in Numbers chapter 14, verses 21 through 23, this, But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice, surely they shall not see the land which I swear uh, unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. Remember the, the, those ten spies? They were leaders. They were appointed men. They were men that other men looked up to. But yet they failed publicly to believe God. And they led people into rebellion because of it. Except for those two. Now how, I just want you to think about this. How was Caleb able to maintain his spirituality when surrounded by so much carnality and unbelief? Think about it. How was he able to maintain such a positive attitude? You know how? His mind wasn't fixed on this side of the river. His mind was fixed on Canaan. God had given him a wonderful inheritance, and though his body was in the wilderness, 
his mind was in Canaan. The only way I can paint a picture for you is this. When I went to Bible college, I was there for a year and a half, ran out of money, prayed, asked God, what, what is it that you want me to do? God directed me to go into the, uh, to the military, went into the Navy, uh, worked as a hospital corpsman in pediatric medicine. They blew up that barracks in Beirut. I got sent to field medical service school, ended up going with a Marine combat unit. Didn't know how that was going to affect the rest of my life. When I, I got to work in two different churches, and then God said, it's time, Rick, for you to go back to Bible college. It was 1990. Took everything that we had, sold most of it, packed it up in a truck, and me and my wife and Crystal and Robert, our two kids that we had at that time, moved from North Carolina, where I was stationed, back to Springfield, Missouri to finish Bible college. Found us a house, found us a job, God was good to us, everything was going along great. But if you know your history, something happened that August. Iraq invaded Kuwait. They started recalling people. Because I was an 8404, I had been trained to be with the United States Marine Corps. My name came up. I remember coming home from, from school one day. I was coming home to change and go to work. My wife worked nights. She told me, she said, Rick, Senior Chief Sickle called. He said, you need to report to the Reserve Center. Call him at the Reserve Center. I said, I'll just go by there on my way. I walked in, he looked at me and he said, he said, Rick, he said, you've been recalled. As a matter of fact, the heavy guns that, that you're with now, they're going. He says, get your affairs in order. This was right before Thanksgiving. Right after Thanksgiving, I remember standing at the Reserve Center, looking at my wife, looking at my kids, not knowing when I'd be back. And I had prayed, and God had given me an assurance in my heart that I'd be home again. So when I was over in Desert Shield, which turned into Desert Storm, every patrol I went on, everything that I did, I kept my mind saying, I want to get back home. This isn't my home. This is my job. And I did it. I kept my mind affixed that one day I wanted to see my wife. I wanted to see my daughter. I wanted to see him again. And praise God, God intervened. That was a fast war. Nothing like these, these poor guys are going through now. Nothing like they're going through now. But I remember when it was time to come home. I remember that that, that plane landing at the Springfield Airport. I just happened to be sitting up front. So I was one of the first people off the plane and I'm walking down the things, I'm walking across the tarmac to where we're supposed to go when all of a sudden I hear this, Daddy! This little girl in a sailor dress is running with reporters behind her. And it was Crystal. She wanted that 15 minutes of fame, I guess, even at that age. All right? And, uh, but you know what? I was home. Caleb, while he was wandering in the wilderness, was just biding his time. He was saying, you know what? My home is over there. It's on the other side of the river. On the other side of Jordan. You know what? This isn't our home. Whether it's liberal Kansas, whether it's Indianapolis, Indiana, this isn't our home. This is just our temporary dwelling place. 
we have a Canaan that we get to go to. A land that floweth with milk and honey. Man, we won't have to worry about those things. All this metal that I have in my back that's holding my back together, that little device Ava has in her heart, it's going to get left here one day. Man, wouldn't that be great? I mean, this guy was like 85 years old, and he says, I'm just as strong now as I was then. I'm going to be 57 years old, and I'm not anywhere near what I was back when I was younger. As a matter of fact, I've, I've gone up and down the stairs at, at Paul and, and Crystal's house, and those stairs get longer and longer every time I go up. And I keep thinking, what's that creaking noise? It must be the stairs. No, it's my knees um, that, that's creaking. Christians are given the same instructions for spiritual victory. Listen to this in, in, in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If ye, been re, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ that sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things of this earth. For uh, ye are dead, and your life is hid in Christ. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we appear with him in glory. Stanza number four. Trust and obey says this, but we, can ne but we never can prove the delights of his love till all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows for them who will trust and obey. The last thing that we see about Caleb in verses 11 through 13 of, in the book of <clears throat> Judges is this, that he conquered, Caleb conquered through faith. He had, helped the, he had helped conquer the land for the people. Once they, they crossed over Jordan and they started to fight, uh, he had wandered in the wilderness for, for 40 years. The conquest of the land took seven years. He was now 85 years old, and he was ready. He was a conqueror, not a complainer. In Joshua chapter 14, verses 10 uh, through 14, let's, let's go back there. <clears throat> Tells us this and says, And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive and hath said these 40, year, 40, and, 40 and 5 years since the Lord hath spake the word to Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years, 85 years old. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so is my strength now uh, for war and both to go out and to go in. Now therefore give me the mountain that the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest that uh, in that day how the, the Anakins were there, the giants, and that the cities were great and fenced. And if, it, and if it be the Lord will be with me, then I will be able to drive them out, saith the Lord. He said, hey, give me my mountain, I'll take care of it. He says, give me my mountain, I've got some people, I'll just go take care of it. He, he knew he still had to claim his land and drive the enemy out. He had complete faith in God that God would help him to complete his task. You think about all that this man has been through. He says, just give me my inheritance. I'm ready to claim it. And, and the fifth verse of Trust and Obey says this. Then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at his feet. I will walk by his side in the way. What he says we will do, where he sends we will go. Never fear, only trust 
and obey. I read this quote, and I just absolutely love it. It says this, For courage and faith to be effective, there must be, they must be combined with words and actions. Let me say it again. For courage and faith to be effective, they must be combined with words and actions. Just don't talk about it. Caleb didn't talk about it. Caleb did it. He was a man with another spirit. We too, like Caleb, can overcome the enemy of our soul and claim God's promises in our life. We just have to, to follow his example. Number one, we need to wholly follow the Lord. As You need to be all in. You just need to be all in. It's as simple as that. I had a, no idea what this thing said until I got here this morning. But we just need to be all in. It's, so, it's a simple thought. It's all in. When I married my wife 35 years ago, we just had an anniversary, I was trying to remember. I was all in. And you know what? I still am. Still all in. When we had kids, and we decided to be parents, we decided to be all in. We still like parenting them. We still like taking care of them. We like the fact that they all have moved out of the house. All but one. It's coming. But we must wholly follow the Lord. Number two, we must know the promises, his promises, and believe them. We need to know the book. He knew the book. He claimed the promises. He watched God in faith. And he said, God, I'm going to claim what you said is true. We need to claim those things. We need to stake that claim. Number three, we must keep our hearts and minds fixed on our inheritance. This isn't it. This isn't it. If it was, how sad. How sad. But we have a home in heaven. Man, I've been saved since I was 14 years old. God's been working on my room for a long time. Man, it's going to be something special. I hope it's right next to her still. But if not, I'll just be just as happy. We need to be heavenly minded, but not too heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. But we need to remember. And then lastly, we must depend upon God to give the victory. I believe if Caleb could sing a song from heaven today, he'd sing with conviction. Sing the first stanza with me of Trust and Obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Do you believe that? It worked for Caleb. It can work for you.